Hello, and thank you for connecting with us here at Oasis Online. If this ministry is an encouragement to you, I would love to hear from you. Would you send me an email at pastor at obclv.org? I hope you enjoy the service today and that God would speak directly to your heart. We're going to jump into the message this morning. I'm going to skip through some of my introduction. I just, uh, what a morning. I don't know where you're at, but this was a, a great morning of worship, and so thank you so much for being here. Let me ask you a question, and you're going to think I'm getting serious here, and it's really not. How many of you have ever been to the happiest place on earth? How many of you realized it wasn't the happiest place on earth? <laughs> I have, uh, I've been, we went, a, I guess, once or twice when I was a kid, and I remember as a child being there in Florida and I had the opportunity when we first moved out to to Vegas to go back to Florida and I was speaking at a a youth conference at the time and my wife and I went and Madison was three to six months old I don't know how old she was maybe a little bit older than that but um, so I've not had the I don't know if you even call it the opportunity or fortune but I've not had the opportunity to to take my kids back as they've been older to really enjoy it. And we've always said we, ne- we didn't want the kids to go and we weren't going to spend the money for the little ones to really not really understand and have fun with it. And so uh, how many of you have ridden the ride of, man, I just lost it. It's a small world after all. Good night. Have you ever been in a place where you felt like you were completely trapped in the worst place in the world? And we call it the happiest place on earth. You know, if you Google the happiest place on earth, that's what comes up. Hawaii has to be much happier. The cruise that I've been on, we've been able to take a couple cruises. They have to be happier than that place. But you go on this little ride and you... Apparently you've been there as well. And you ride on this little boat with all these animatronics and the same song over and over and over and over and over. And you're just like pulling your hair out. The most annoying thing, but you know oftentimes as we talk about destiny, as we've talked about purpose, our lives oftentimes are similar to that where we're on a little boat just going around and it seems like that same song is just... It's a small I just do that so you can have that running through your head this morning. But you know, when we live our lives minus destiny, minus purpose, we feel trapped oftentimes with little puppets or animatronics just singing. And we just feel like we're on that boat just trapped. Today, as we've talked over the last few weeks, we've Today I really want to dive into some of the, I guess you call them maybe the ingredients of, of what we're talking about with this idea of don't duck your destiny. And we've kind of played and had some fun with it. The first week we did camouflage day and some of you are like, what? But uh, those that you weren't, we're not here. We had camouflage day and I don't know, a quarter to half of you guys were in some form of a camo shirt or pants or something. But we had fun with it. But as we look at some of the different, I guess you, like I said, I guess you call them ingredients We look at so many different things, and as we go through today, we're going to start really putting some of these pieces together to our purpose or to our destiny, to that plan that was sung of our lives. I left you last week with six thoughts to to really kind of go through. 
the thought of where you're finding fulfillment, the thought of your direction, the thought of your stability, the thought of your significance, the thought of identity and who you are, and then the thought of provision. And as you look at these different things, and oftentimes we, our direction is lost, where we feel unstable, we feel insignificant, we feel as if we don't have an identity, and we feel like, how in the world am I going to get on? How am I going to provide? What am I going to do? And so this morning, I want to talk a little bit about our passion. I believe in my study, and I believe in some of the things that I've looked through that when we go through our destiny and when we start looking at our purpose, one of, if not the key ingredient outside of Christ, is that we would live with passion. When it comes to your purpose in life, living with passion and having a passion is so vital and so key. How many times we've set our our paths and we've set a direction and we're taking that walk or we're taking that journey and and we lose that passion, we lose that fire, we lose that that thing and when things at that time come, we easily are swayed to go in other directions. And so this morning we're going to talk a little bit about passion, we're going to talk about vision, we're going to talk about some of those things. Let me say this as we continue through. If you're a Christian this morning and your passion has to do with your spiritual intensity or, or your, the fire that burns inside of you, it is something in you that burns, something that reaches the core of who you are is what that passion is, especially as a believer. One of the things that I read as I was doing some study is our passion as a Christian, if our passion and our eternal soul can meet the power that that is. Each of us are created with eternity in mind. And if eternity is the goal, and if we live our lives with the hope of that future, we live our lives with with where we're going and what God has done for us, and, and I have a hope, I'm living eternally speaking. And my passions, the things that I do on a daily basis, meet that idea of eternity spiritually, that sets us on a course that really nobody can stop. I thought of that, and I've thought of my passions, and I've thought of things that I've loved, and things that I've put time and effort into. As a child, and you all know this, I've said this a million times, I love, and I have a passion for sports, particularly baseball. For whatever reason, that was the one that I fell in love with as a child. It wasn't hard for me to to go to the gym. It wasn't hard for me to go to practices. It wasn't hard for me when somebody said you can't to, to, to kind of rise up a little bit and say, you can't tell me I can't. It wasn't hard in those moments because I had a passion, a drive for that thing. Now here's the difference between that passion and other passions that I have is that, per, that passion really wasn't eternally focused. I didn't take my passion of baseball and my eternal goals or my eternal destiny and put the two together. Now there was time in my life through college that I was able to use my sports passion and my sporting ability and an eternal thing which drove me 
we saw souls come to the Lord and we traveled the East Coast and I was on a dunk team and we did all kinds of crazy, silly things with trampolines and basketball. And there was a, my sports passion, the drive that, that I had in sports and athletics and my abilities there met my eternal passion with ministry. But as we go this morning, our screens are out, but in Romans chapter 15, we see a passion of Paul's. In Romans 15, in verse number 20, it says, Yea, so, so have I strived to preach the gospel, not where Christ was named, lest I should build upon another man's foundation. Paul had a drive, Paul had a passion, Paul had a purpose of preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he said specifically, not where Christ was already named. Paul's passion was to teach and to preach and to reach people. In Timothy, at the very beginning of this series, I read that, that Paul came to the end of his life and he said, I had fought that fight. I had done all that I can. I finished that course. And he looked at Timothy and he said, hey, there's a crown waiting for me. He completed that vision, that, that purpose that he was put on earth for. In Jeremiah chapter number 20, Jeremiah is writing and, and he makes a, a similar kind of a, a mention there. In verse number 9, he says, Then I said, I will not make mention of him, nor speak any more in his name, but his word was in mine heart as a burning fire shut up in my bones, and I was weary with forbearing, and I could not stay. He basically, he was, he was writing and he was stating that the word of God was so much inside of him, it was a burning fire that he could not just sit still. His passion to teach, his passion to share, was a burning fire inside of him. Passion is that thing that wakes you up at night. Maybe passion is that thing that doesn't allow you to sleep. Passion is a a, a bubbling volcano, so to speak, as we just read out of Jeremiah. It's that fire that burns within you. It keeps you going, even though sometimes you may not want to go. But the drive inside of you, because there's a passion that God has given you eternally, doesn't allow you just to stop. This morning, as we talk and as we put these things together and we look at destiny and we begin to put some pieces to the puzzle together, some of these ingredients. There's so many things. But let me ask you that question. What is that passion that you have? Has there been a fire inside of you that maybe has been put out? Maybe you would sit here and you would say, well, I, I know I've accepted Christ as my Savior and I know there's a call on my life and I, I understand there's some of these things, but I, I just have lost that drive. I've lost that passion. I don't have it. What is it? Some of you may be sitting here and you're bottled up inside and you know you have a passion. You know you have a drive, but you're like, I just, I don't know where I can, where can I put it out? Where can I, what can I do with it? I don't know where you are this morning, 
But I believe wholeheartedly that this particular thought, this sermon, whether it be the history of our church and where we are today, or maybe it's just where I'm at as an individual, I believe wholeheartedly if we can grab a hold of the sermon today and grab a hold of passion and grab a hold of of the, the prayer and grab a hold of the vision that God gives us, I believe today this can truly, one, transform your life, but transform who Oasis is and where we're headed. Because I believe so many times in our lives we allow the fire to go out because somebody may have hurt our feelings. We allow the fire to go out because of circumstance in our life that took place and, and we, we, just, we don't know what to do and so we just kind of sit back and we, we sit on the couch or we, we go to bed or we don't have a smile anymore or we don't have all of these things and we allow so many circumstances, though they may be bad and though we, you may have reason to just hurt, we allow those things to take that passion, take a drive that we have We almost just stomp them into the ground. That song, I know the plans, is just, as I've just studied and as I've thought, it's, how real is that? Plans to prosper. Regardless of situation, regardless of circumstance, there's a plan. And we all have that. But with that plan, God provides in us a call. God provides in us a passion. God provides that in us and who we are when we come to know Him. If you know Christ is your Savior, God says that you've been given a spiritual gift that aligns with those passions, which aligns with an eternal focus, which aligns with an eternity. What if the passion that you had aligned with eternity? What if the passions that you have today aligned with eternity? What does that do to you and what does that do to your life? This morning we're going to look and we're going to spend most of our time this morning in Nehemiah. And I could probably, and you may have heard the sermons on Nehemiah, and I could probably spend weeks and weeks and weeks and months in the book of Nehemiah. And we're not going to go verse by verse in and, and all of these things here, but I'm going I'm to take us to the book of Nehemiah. And I want to look and, and I want to take a couple things and a couple thoughts here. As it's challenged me, I pray that it'll challenge you. And there's a, I don't know if it's a formula, but there's a real piece to me of how Nehemiah was able to build the wall. And I believe wholeheartedly it was started with a burden that God gave Nehemiah. And we'll read that in just a moment. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for the day that you've given to us. God, I am honored to have been able to have met with you this morning. To be in this room, to be a part of this group of people, this body of believers. To sing the songs, to worship through song. Lord, I pray, God, I pray as we open up your word that you would speak boldly through it. In Jesus' name that I pray, amen. In Nehemiah, starting in chapter number one, I'll just start at the beginning. It says this, the words of Nehemiah, the son of 
Hakaliah, and it came to pass in the month Chislu in the twentieth year, as I was in Shushan the palace. There's nothing better than reading these words. But that Hanani, one of my brethren, came, he and certain men of Judah, and asked, and I asked them concerning the Jews that had escaped, which were left of the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said unto me, The remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction, and reproach the wall of Jerusalem, or and reproach the wall of Jerusalem also is broken down, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. And so if we, we start this off, and Nehemiah starts this book as he begins to read or write this out, his brother had came from Judah. Nehemiah looks at him and asks the question, hey, how are things going back home? How are things going with those that have left and those that fled? How are things going? He had, there was already a desire there. I don't know how many of you have had the, whether you call it an opportunity or what you want to call that, but I don't know how many of you are away from home. I'm away from home, so to speak. I have my, my grandparents, and we grew up in Ohio, so I have family back in Ohio. My wife's family is back in Ohio. There is a natural thing when you hear people or you see people that know other people. You say, hey, how are the family? How is, the, how is everybody else doing? We're at a stage kind of in our life right now with we kind of dread the phone calls from Ohio. As much as we love those conversations, the grandparents are up in age. There's different things, and we always, uh, there's that little bit of a, I hope that this isn't one of those bad calls. Why? There's a, there's a natural burden for our family back home. Nehemiah had that. And when his brother said, the wall of Jerusalem is broken down and the gates are burning. In verse number 4, Nehemiah, it says this, And it came to pass when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. And said, I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven, the great and terrible God. And we'll get into that in just a moment. As we talk about burden, as we talk about passion today, the first point, if you take notes, is just that one word, is burden. As we look at vision, as we look at passion, as we look at our our destiny, our purpose, as we look at all of these things, it's so easy to start when we have a burden. It makes things so much easier. It made it a whole lot easier for Nehemiah as he talked to his brother and his brother said, hey, the walls are falling down. The gates are on fire. And what did it say that he did? He sat. I don't know where he was. I don't know if they were in a house. I don't know if he sat at a dinner table. I don't know if he sat on the ground, but he, he sat. And immediately it says he just, he wept and he began to pray. He had a burden he had a passion. He, his heart was hurt for the things that took place. When it comes to you and I and it comes to our passion, we have a burden. We have a longing in our heart, in our spirit for something that is greater than us. Can I ask you this morning, 
What is that? What is that? Oftentimes the passion and the burden comes from from things that we love. Oftentimes it may be something that you've done for a long time, the experience of your life, and God has given you different talents and different abilities, whatever that might be, and, and your passion eternally connects with those things. Other times it's you've accepted Christ as your Savior and your passion of people has completely changed. All of a sudden, you don't look at people as you used to look at people. You look at people as a, as a soul. You look at somebody as a, as a person that needs a Savior. Your passion, your burden changes. When you go to work the day after you accept Christ, you don't look at your coworkers as just other guys that are going to help you get the job done. You look at coworkers and you think, I wonder if they know what I just learned the other day. Our passion, our burden changes. As we look at this thought of passion, as we look at this idea of our destiny, as we look at that who God has made us to be, we've all been given a burden. We talked about Paul just right there at the beginning of the sermon, the introduction. I don't think anybody in this room would say, well, I don't think Paul had a passion for God. If you do, we can have that conversation later and we'll figure that thing out. But there was no doubt the burden that God had placed on Paul's heart to see men and women come to know Christ as Savior. There was no doubt about it. When you go to jail for sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, and then while you're sitting in prison, you're sharing the gospel with the jailers, the same people that put you in prison, you have a passion, you have a burden for people. When you're being stoned and you don't have a problem sharing the gospel before and after knowing what's about to take place, it's a natural passion and burden that only comes from God. There's no doubt in any of our minds If you've read anything about Paul, that he had a passion to see people come to Christ. It's that same passion, it's that same burden that also drove Paul. It's that same passion, it's that same burden that Nehemiah took to his knees. And we'll see in just a minute that he began to pray and fast over the things that he could do for the problem that his people were facing there in Jerusalem. Let's go back to the question at hand at the beginning. If your passion meets your eternal goals, you cannot be stopped. Do your passions meet with eternity? Nehemiah had a passion. And you or anybody else wasn't going to stop Nehemiah from building the wall. And we'll see that in the next, next week. But Nehemiah had that burden. That burden drove him to do something. When I played sports through high school, the passion and the drive that I had to be better and to be better and to be better drove me and there wasn't anything that was going to stop me at that point. Now it wasn't an eternal thing. Why? Because I had a love, I had a desire 
to do something. I had a goal. This morning, I asked you that question, what is your burden? What is it this morning that burdens you that aligns with eternity? What is it? Are there people at work that you're, you are hurt because they don't know Christ? Are there people back home that, are, that it hurts you because they don't know Christ? Is there a specific thing, an action that you know you ought to be doing? What is it? Nehemiah discovered a burden in chapter 1. In verse number 5, we see this. It says, And said I, Beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven, the great and terrible God, that keepeth covenant and mercy for them that love him and observe his commandments. Let thine ear now be attentive and thine eyes open that thou mayest hear the prayer of thy servant, which I pray before thee now day and night for the children of Israel, thy servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against thee. Both I and my father's house have sinned. We have dealt very corruptly against thee and have not kept the commandments, nor the statutes, nor the judgments, which thou commandest thy servant Moses. Remember... I beseech thee the word that thou commandest thy servant Moses, saying, If ye transgress, I will scatter you abroad among the nations. But if ye turn unto me and keep my commandments and do them, though there were of you cast out unto the uttermost parts of the heaven, yet will I gather them from thence and will bring them unto the place that I have chosen to set my name there. Now these are thy servants and thy people whom thou hast redeemed by the great power and by thy strong hand. O Lord, I beseech thee, let now thine ear be attentive to the prayer of thy servants, who desire to fear thy name and prosper. I pray thee, thy servant, this day, and grant him mercy in the sight of this man, for I was the king's cupbearer. And Nehemiah, as it said in verse 4, he heard, and then he sat, and he mourned, and he began to pray seeking God. And he goes from there and he begins to say, God, forgive our people. God, forgive me. We have sinned. I've gone against all of those things. We haven't kept the statutes. We haven't kept the judgments. We haven't done the things that you told Moses to do. But he says, God, let thine ear be attentive. God, open and thine eyes be open. God, that you would hear the prayer of your servant. God, he's basically at this point just begging God. God, I knew, we know all these things we haven't done. But God, give me one more shot. God, here I am, I'm your servant and you've burdened me. You've given me a passion, you've given me a drive because those people are hurting. God, let me, let me, just give me one shot that we can fix this thing that we'll fall back to you. When was the last time you got on your knees and you said, God... God, just hear your servant. God, open your eyes. Let your eyes be open to what's going on. God, my burden, my heart is so heavy. I I can't bear it anymore. Open your eyes, God. Hear me. 
Hear your servant. When was that last time? Do we have a burden? And again, your burden may not be the same as mine. Your passion may not be the same as my passion. There's some of you that care about certain things that it's, we need to do it, but it's not my thing. Like some of you could care less if I ever mentioned athletics in this service. You look at me and go, what? And I, I enjoy that. Some of you don't. Some of you find relaxation by sitting and opening a book. That's not real. And you'll read hundreds and thousands of pages of a fake made up story. Obviously, that's not my thing. But to you, that's the most relaxing thing ever. To me, you get me on that basketball court, you put me on a a ball field, that's the most relaxing thing. Now, afterwards, it's not as relaxing. I played softball last Monday night, and all week long, my back, my legs, everything that I hadn't used is killing me. But that's so relaxing to me. We all have different things in that nature. But Nehemiah said, he didn't say it, but he, in verse 4, he, he heard in verse 3 the things that, that were taking place. And he had such a burden. And the next thing that he did was pray. He just went to God. God, allow me to do something. I, I don't know how many of you have ever been to Jerusalem, if any of you have, but in January I had the opportunity to be in Jerusalem and, and to look at the walls I don't know that I would be going, yeah, let's go build them. Seamless. The perfection, the ways in which they do, the, it's, it's incredible. The size, it makes this building look like nothing. The scope and, and to think, his burden was so heavy that he looked at that wall and he said, well, you know what, we're going to do that. Or he looked at it and he said, those people are hurting. I'm going to do something to to help fix that problem. And he just began to beg, God, hear me. God, here I am. I'm your servant. I I don't know what I can do. But God, I'm, I'm right here. What is your burden? What is it? Do children drive you? I don't know. Does what you do at work drive you? And you can match that with eternity? What is that thing? Let me ask you this. When was the last time you asked God to burden you? When was the last time that you said, God, I I feel stagnant and I just burden me for the people? Burden me for something. I'm just sitting. I'm not doing much. 
I used to, man, I used to spend hours and hours and hours at that church. But now it's just I go on Sunday morning and I'm okay. And there's something inside of you that's just, man, I've I've got to get on it. I don't know. But the first point was there was a burden. The second point was there was a prayer. All throughout the book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah prays. This first prayer from 4 to 11, then in chapter 2 he prays again, and then in chapter 4 he prays a couple times, and in chapter 5, and in chapter 6, and in chapter 13, on and on and on. Nehemiah prayed that God would hear his servant, that his eyes would be open. I just, as I studied, the thing that just jumped out at me in that passage and in that prayer was that Nehemiah said, God, open your eyes to hear your servant. Open your eyes to hear. If we go through the studies, and we've gone through a little bit, that word servant is typically used as slave in Scripture. He said, God, hear, hear me. How many times do we say, God, open your eyes to me. See me, hear me. On Wednesday night, we met in this room, a handful of us. And we prayed, we had a little bit of a prayer service and a testimony time and some other things on Wednesday night. And on Wednesday night, I shared with those that were in this room. And then Friday night, I had a meeting and I shared again with that group of people. And this morning, I just feel that it's very fitting over what we're talking about with having a burden. The second point being prayer is this. There's been five things that I have prayed over for the last few weeks, specifically over our church. I would encourage you, if you don't do anything else and you take no other notes to jot these five things down and pray for Oasis Baptist Church, your church. The first is this, that God would give us a burden. That God would give us a burden. A burden for what you ask? For people. For the soul of mankind, for the city of Las Vegas, for the place in which you serve. That God would give us a burden. That God would give us a direction. I believe with all my heart, after the passion, and we'll see this in just a moment, the vision comes. We've got a burden, a direction, leaders. That God would send us leaders, that God would raise up leaders, that the leadership would jump and and be active. The next one is for the people of Oasis to own Oasis. Ownership. Really, it boils down to you owning your Christian life. God, I am giving you my Christian life, and whatever that means, there it is. And finally, provision. That God would provide. And that isn't just a financial thing. There's not, no, nothing's coming after that. But that God would provide. 
God may provide by blowing up this room with five, six, seven hundred people. God may provide by dropping money. God may provide in a million different ways. I don't know, and I, to be real honest, I don't care. I'm asking God to provide for the people and for the church of Oasis Baptist Church. Here's why I say that to you today. Are you praying and seeking God for a burden for your life? God, what is my passion? God, as I speak, what is that thing that drives me? God, is there something eternally that's, that's forcing me to do something? Or do I sit every day and I, I ride the roller coaster, I ride the ride of it's a small world after all, over and over and over and over, and it's just the same thing all the time, all day, every day. And there is nothing that's driving me eternally to, to really do anything and step out. And so I can go to church on Sunday morning. I can check it off my box. I can go to work the next day and, and go through and I can be that good person. But there is no burden on your heart. And the last point this morning is vision. As Nehemiah began to pray... He prayed through chapter number one, and, and I could take and dissect all of those things, and, and just for the sake of where we are, that wasn't my intention this morning, but as we look at this, he comes to Nehemiah chapter number two, we come, and it says in verse number one, and it came to pass in the month of Nisan, or Nisan, in that 20th year of Artaxerxes, the king, that wine was before him, and I took up the wine and gave it unto the king. Now I had not been before time sad in his presence. Wherefore the king said unto me, Why is thy countenance sad, seeing thou art not sick? This is nothing else but sorrow of heart. And it says, I was very sore afraid. Nehemiah, being the cupbearer, had done this many times, had taken the king, the, the wine, and, and, and stood before the king. But one of the things that you were not allowed to do was stand before the king with the low countenance, with the bad countenance. He was sore afraid because that was a death offense. He could be killed for standing before the king sad and hurt. It wasn't a joke. And he stood before the king, his heart broken. Let me say this. Though it comes after verse number 11, we read it, verse number 1 of chapter number 2. That's roughly four months in between. Nehemiah had been praying and praying and praying and fasting and weeping for four months before this time. And Nehemiah stands before the king in verse 3 and said unto the king, Let the king live forever. Why should not my countenance be sad when the city, the place of my father's sepulchres, lieth waste and the gates thereof are consumed with fire? The king said unto me, For what dost thou make request? What are you asking of me? And he stopped, and it says that he prayed to God, to the God of heaven. And I said unto the king, If it please the king, and if thy servant have found favor in thy sight, that thou wouldest send me unto Judah, unto the city of my father's sepulchres, that I may build it. And I'm not going to read through that entire chapter, but we see that Nehemiah comes and he presents to the king the vision. Here's all that is. 
He prayed that God would direct exactly what he was to do based on the burden that he had in his heart. And God allowed him in the position that he was in to go to, to the king and he, he poured out his heart. God, or he looked at the king and he said, my people are hurting, my, my brothers and, and everybody that I know is hurting. The gates are on fire, the walls are being crumbled and I, I, I'm, I'm sad. The king says, what can I do to help you? And Nehemiah begins to lay out how that king can help him. You know what that is? I don't know if Nehemiah went into that game. I don't know if he went into that meeting with a game plan and he pulled out of his paper and he's like, all right, thank you. I'm glad. I knew you were going to ask this. My assumption is that he didn't do that. But what my thought is at the same time is that Nehemiah knew going in there exactly what God had laid on his heart and because he had prayed and he had fasted and he had wept and he had prayed and four months over and over and over and over again praying for this. As he got in there and the king looked at him and said, how can I help you? What can I do? He just began to lay it out. And there Nehemiah was sent off and he was later the king or the, the, the governor. And who paid for it? The king sent and had all those things paid for and had the people that were working and, and Nehemiah went and it goes down a little bit further and in verse number 12 and it says that he arose in the night and I and some few men with me neither told my heart or neither told any, I any man what God had put in my heart to do at Jerusalem. Neither was there any beast with me save the beast that I rode upon. And I went out by night by the gate of the valley before the dragon well into, into the dung port and viewed the walls of Jerusalem which were broken down and the gates thereof were consumed with fire. And he went from gate to gate and, and it was in the evening time and he would go and he would look and he would kind of see what needed to be done because he knew the enemy was watching everything that he was doing. And he went and he gathered his plan. And he began to put these things into action. And in verse 16, And the rulers knew not whither I went or what I did, neither had I as yet told it to the Jews, nor to the priests, nor to the nobles, nor to the rulers, nor to the rest that did the work. Then said I unto them, Ye see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lieth waste, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. Come and let us build up the wall of Jerusalem that we be, more, we be no more a reproach than I told them of the hand of my God which was good upon me as also the king's words that he had spoken unto me. And they said, let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for this good work. Nehemiah had a burden that was placed on his heart for the people of his family, of his father. And as he found out the things that were taking place, his heart was burdened. And as his heart was burdened, he began to pray, and he began to pray, and he began to ask God to hear him. God, hear what I have. God, allow your servant to, to be heard. And God began to give Nehemiah the vision to take care of the problem that he had laid on his heart. Church, I don't know 
I don't know the burden that is on your heart. Maybe it's not there. I don't know. But I know this. As I stated back two weeks ago, each and every one of us were created with a purpose and with a plan. God knew why he put you here. And God knew all of those things long before you were here. It says that he formed you in the womb. He knew the things that were to come. And I believe with all my heart, God burdens our heart. I believe that God gives us passion. I believe that God creates and puts that in us. He gives that burning fire within us as it spoke of in Jeremiah chapter 20. He puts that in us. Why? So that we can go out and do what we're called to go out and do. And that can be as us as a collective body, the church, the people of Oasis Baptist Church. But that's also you as the individual. Owning your Christian walk. Owning who you are in Christ. And saying, I am a new creation. I am a new man. I have been given a burden. I have been put here for a purpose. I have been done. I've, God, is, God has something for me. And what that is, maybe you don't know today. Maybe today is the day that you begin to pray like you've never prayed before. God, burden my heart. Give me that thing. I don't know what that is. But here's what I know. God created each of us with eternity in mind. Every person on this planet was created with eternity in mind. What is one of the number one fears is death. Why? Because we don't understand eternity. We don't understand it. We don't get it. But in my soul, I was created to know there's something beyond this place. And if that's the case, then the passions and the burdens and the things that drive us, if we connect the two together, what can you do? What can we do? But if we don't seek a burden, if we're not asking God to change our hearts and give us a burden and, and, and give us that passion... then we'll live every single day waking up, going to work, going to bed, waking up, going to work, going to bed, and the routine never ends. And there is nothing that's getting done for the glory of God. Here's what I challenge you this morning. You and I weren't created to ride the ride of it's a small world after all. You and I were created to be the hands and feet of God. You and I were created to have a passion, to have a burden, and to go and to do the things that God has called us to do. And what it takes is to, for you and I to put ourselves on the, on the ground and get on our knees and to say, God, I don't know what that burden is today. God, I don't understand why. God, I don't get it. But I know there's something beyond what I can do. Tap into it. Tap into who he is. Plug in. Because it's so much better to live life with passion and know where I'm headed 
than it is to just go, well, it was another good day. It was another good day. I pray that none of you can leave this place this morning and just say, well, that was a great day. But have nothing to do beyond the walls of this place. We all lose then. We all lose. And it's not about building this church to 500, 5,000, 20,000. That's not what it's about. It's about having a burden for people to do the work of God. What's your burden today? What's your prayer today? And I believe with all of my heart, the burden and the prayer gives us the vision to continue to strive and do the things that God has a purpose in your life for. So this morning I'm asking that question. What is it? As we come to a time of invitation, you can pray right where you're at. You can walk an aisle and meet with me or meet with any of the men or the women. You can step out, raise your hand, it doesn't matter. But let me ask you, today may be the day that you come, you sit, you do whatever it is, and you say, God, I don't know where my burden lies today. God, my heart just, it's not what it once was. God, I don't know what that passion is anymore. I'm kind of at a loss today. You may sit in this room this morning and you may say, Pastor, you speak of all this. I don't know Jesus Christ as my Savior. I don't fully understand it. And these things are are tough and I'm, I'm in a tough circumstance and I'm in a tough situation and I don't know how I can continue to move forward. I don't, I can't. Times are too bad for me. Times are never too bad for him. There's only one person that can give you joy in the midst of your deepest and darkest struggle. We sang the song, It is well with my soul. That was penned down after the man lost his entire family in an instant. It is well with my soul. Church, this morning, what is your burden? What are you praying about? I'm telling you, if you pray for the burden and you pray through it, He'll give you that vision. He'll give you that passion. He'll give you that direction. And you'll see things differently in your life like you've never seen them before. Thank you for worshiping with us here at Oasis Online. If this message was an encouragement to you, would you send me an email and let me know at pastor at obclv.org. Before you go, go check us out at oasisbaptistchurch.org. And if we can be of any help to you or an encouragement to you, please let us know. Thank you so much for listening and have a great day.